Alright guys, so we're going to start now. Uh, you guys want to just take a seat and uh, we're going to have, uh, we have Grant here obviously, for those that don't know, Grant um, is a missionary uh, in Spain and he's coming for five weeks just to teach us this uh, evangelism book and go through it uh, week by week. Um, so we're trying to make the most out of this while he's here. Uh, we're going to continue doing this until... I forget, at some point next month. Um, Five weeks from now? Oh, we should have. So, Brandon will start off. We're going to go through with this book. Does everyone have a book now? I don't Here. have one. You don't have a book? Is this He's got one now. Here you have a book. Cool. Uh, <laughs> anyone else need a book? Okay. So Grant will teach, uh, I'd say, like the lion's share of this, but I'll also be helping out just a little bit um, for some of the illustrations and um, of that. So. No further ado, I'll just let Grant you want to pray for us. Yeah, I'll start off by just praying and then we'll uh, start it. Dear Lord, I just think this time that we can just come together and just learn on how to, um, to share the gospel, the good news, Lord, with others. Just thankful for this time where we can learn on just, Lord, how to how to effectively share our faith. Lord, I just pray that you use this time um, as a, just a training tool for us, Lord, and I just pray that we remember, Lord, that it's not us that, no matter what we say or no matter what we do, it's not us who say it, it's you who say it, Lord. So I just pray that we would ultimately just realize that we're just working alongside you, Lord, and sharing the gospel with others. I just pray that you bless this time. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Where can I set How about there? Okay. It's really nice to be here with all of you. It's really special. Um, I think most of you, or many of you know that Don uh, Robertson and I were in the DITP together in 1979. We were we sat next to each other the whole year in the program, and uh, many of you are now related to him. I mean, it's just amazing what, out of what it came out of all that, <laughs> and uh, just God is good, and uh, it's nice when you get a few years under your belt, you get to look back and kind of get this long perspective, and you see the faithfulness of God, and uh, so it's wonderful. I'm really excited <clears throat> to be here because... Um, I believe we're doing what God wants us to do. It's nice to feel you're in the will of God. Not just feel, but know you're in the will of God. And uh, I know that because he says um, in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 that we're to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. One of the most important activities of an, uh, uh, in a church is for uh, is ongoing training of the, t- of, the, of the believers to equip them so that they can uh, also continue on with the work. And so... I know we're in the center of God's will. We're doing what God wants us to do. And when you obey God's will, he blesses you. So so with obedience comes uh, the blessing of God. So we can expect God to bless us. We're going to be um, learning how to share our faith. He he commanded us to do that. So, um, but before we start, one of the very first lessons I want to teach you about evangelism, um, probably the order of importance uh, of evangelism is first prayer. It's a spiritual work. Evangelism is a spiritual work. It's, it's spiritual warfare. We're taking back what Satan has, has, has stolen, and that's the souls of men. And um, he's blinded their minds so that they consider the things of God as foolishness. And uh, so as we enter into prayer and, war and, and praying, God starts to work. We don't understand it, at least I don't understand it all, but I just know. Uh, as Bill McDonald used to say, when we pray, coincidences happen. 
Um, things happen. People's lives are changed. Uh, uh, things start happening. And it really goes back to prayer. The second thing about evangelism, it's, it's about you. It, it's, it's, it's not about the persons we're trying, the people we're trying to reach. It's about your own personal life, um, your own walk with the Lord. God uses um, spiritual people. Now, why do I say that? Because um, you can be in church and be a religious person. I'm not saying an unsaved, but you can be religious. What is a religious? Well, a religious person, it's, it's all about church. It's all about, don't, it's a list of do's and don't do this, don't do this, do this. You know, read your Bible, um, pray, uh, don't do this, don't do that. It's just a list of do's and don'ts. You're, you're a religious person. I'm not saying you are. It's rituals, you know. A spiritual person, though, sees his Christian life as a relationship with God. And he's trying to walk in fellowship with God. And he's, he's, as he reads the word, he doesn't read the word like out of, I have to do this. Um, no, it's like, I, I, oh Lord, I want to f- seek you. I want to hear your voice. I want to spend time with you. And, and as we do that. So as you pray, not only is there effect on the things around you, you're transformed. And as you read the word, you are also transformed and then God will use, start to use you. So it's as we walk with the Lord. So it's, that's the order, you know, prayer, your life, and then the people we're trying to reach. Let's look at Matthew 9. If you say something to me and I, I kind of ignore you, uh, it's not because I'm trying to ignore you. I'm actually deaf in my right ear. And I, um, I, I'm just getting, I'm wearing uh, new uh, hearing aids, and I'm just getting used to hearing aids. I, I've, you know, I feel like an old man here. But uh, uh, I've had enough people tell me, I think you need to get hearing aids, you know, because you, you offend people. I said, well, how do I offend people? They say something to you, and you just kind of turn the other way and act like you didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, I better do something about that. So um, if I do that, please forgive me. I don't mean to do it. Okay, Matthew 10. Verse, excuse me, Matthew 9, verse 36. This is Jesus seeing the people. He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. This is, Jesus gave us commands, a number of commands. And he, this is one of them. This is a, a this command. It's not only, you know, be baptized or, or make disciples. That's part of it. But he says here, the harvest is plentiful. He's, you know, the, he sees the people. He sees the need. All around, um, there's people in great need. Sometimes it's hidden. It's kind of like death. It's hidden. We don't, like to see people, when people are dead, we kind of hide it, you know, in funeral homes. And we, it's out of sight. You go to Mexico, you go to Central America, and death is in your face. But also people's problems are kind of hidden from our sight. They're in the homes, they're out of view. But people are really suffering. There's all kinds of problems. And, but the Lord sees them. The problem is, the problem isn't that there aren't enough people out there who are hurting and want the Lord to work in them. The problem is the workers are few. 
The labors are few. There's few people who have the, the heart of the Lord to want to go after them. And that's his problem. I say, sometimes I'll say, the problem isn't with the harvest. The problem of God is with his own children. That they just don't, and we'll see a little bit tonight, they, they, they just don't have his heart. They don't have his heart. They don't see like he sees. Um, so what is the very first thing he says to correct that? He doesn't say, do an evangelism course. He says, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we're going to obey the Lord's command. He says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is who loves me and he who loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So as we follow the Lord in obedience in our life and as we obey his commands, he reveals more of himself to us and he shows us how to fish for, for people, but he reveals more of himself. That's how you grow spiritually by obedience. That's, that's how you grow. It's not head knowledge. It's not by head. Knowledge is good, but if you obey it, okay, it's better to know five things and obey them than to know a hundred and things and only obey one thing. Okay. So it's not knowledge that it makes you a disciple of Christ. It's obedience. And he says, he who obeys me loves me. So the way we show our love to the Lord is through obedience. It's not by singing. It's not by teaching. It's not by um, going to church, although that's good. It's by obeying, obeying the Lord you show that you love Him. His love language to us is grace and mercy. Our love language to Him is obedience. So we're going to pray. We're going to obey this command. He said, go and make disciples and teach them to obey all that I commanded you. So we're going to start off obeying the Lord tonight. So we are going to beseech the Lord of the harvest that He would raise up laborers to send out into his harvest right here in Castro Valley, Hayward, Fremont, uh, South Bay, San Jose, um, San Leandro, Oakland, whatever it comes here, but just, let's just beseech the Lord, send out laborers into harvest. See, usually when we read this verse, our mind has this default, oh, this is a missionary verse. This is to pray for missionaries to go to the ends of the earth. No, I'm trying to get Fairhaven to change their their foyer, it's kind of a joke. I'm not really saying it in serious, but it does say, it says, reaching the word, world and teaching the word. That's kind of their, their um, what do you call it? Your statement, your mission purpose statement, statement? Mission, hmm? statement. mission statement of reaching the world and teaching the word. Is that it? I say, wait a second, we missed something in the middle there. It should be reaching the world and your community. <laughs> and teaching the word. We, it's so easy. Oh, way over there. Let's reach the world. Let's send out missionaries. We are fulfilling. And that is wonderful. I can tell you, Fairhaven sacrifices. The families that are there sacrifice to keep missionaries on the field. And God honors them for that, keeps them in work and keeps blessing, you know, and, and it's like a big motor going. But we got to, don't forget that we have the community right under our nose. And God wants us <clears throat> to be laborers right as soon as you cross that that threshold of this door from there on out that's where it starts okay well, it even starts in here too but you know okay so let's divide up into twos and threes real quick only a few minutes and we are going to ask the lord 
raise up. Don't tell the Lord how to do it. Just say, Lord, I'm just asking you. We're obeying your command. You say, beseech Lord the harvest. Send forth workers into his har your harvest. And maybe he'll start saying to you, working in your heart, like maybe I could be the answer to that prayer. Okay, so just take a few minutes. Um, I want to encourage those who are sitting next to their wives um, to move. <laughs> because they're, they're used to talking. So move, you know, maybe Eve, you can sit somewhere else, you know. Um, a, a girlfriend, that's okay. I'll let you sit with your girlfriend. <laughs> so you get to know each other better. That's okay. But Eve, you know. Um, yeah, there you go. Okay. So just, just a few minutes. So you all may be here, or however you want to do it. Just two or threes. Let's just ask the Lord. <clears throat> Lord, we, we confess that we don't love the people like you do, but we want to obey your command to uh, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers into the harvest. Lord, we pray even tonight that you would work in each one of our hearts, that we might be more willing to be one of your laborers in your harvest, and that you would speak to the, dear, the hearts of these dear brothers and sisters, and you would open their eyes, and that you would give them your heart to see the people as you see them. Please meet us tonight, Lord. Help us. We are in ourselves. There's no good thing. But we just pray your Holy Spirit would work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, that's it. Get, go back to your places just to get our hearts prepared. One of the goals I have for all of you, for all of us tonight, is um, is to kind of take away the fear in evangelism. I mean, there's always going to be some fear, but usually when we think of evangelism, we think about going out and going door to door, or going down to the BART station and passing out tracks or going to a campus and just cold turkey talking to people. And I'm not saying that those are wrong, but I believe there's a much more natural way of evangelizing. And I would like to teach you that tonight and encourage you. Um, so um, I'm hoping that you'll be encouraged and, and see that you, all of us here, can be involved in this. Okay. We are going to be doing, um, studying the first book, part one of the Everyday Evangelism uh, work books. It's called Share Your Faith. And it's actually three parts. It's uh, uh, Share Your Faith, which is what we're going to be doing the next five weeks. And I'll be beefing this up a little bit. I'll explain a little bit more later. Then part two is explaining the gospel with a little bit more detail. This is Everyday Evangelism, part two. And then... Uh, mentoring for multiplication part three so just to give a little bit of context this is not just a this is just a, the first part of a, a three um, part course in evangelism I'm working with David trying to train him as much as I can so that when I'm gone he can continue on and train uh, others who didn't get a chance to receive this training um, and maybe you guys will just want to it's pretty self-explanatory that other stuff but now let me just say a few things about this course. Um, this is like a, an all-day workshop normally. This is like a Friday night in an all-day Saturday workshop. And we're just going to do it like in five weeks. And I'm going to add some other stuff. Um, 
This is done by Evangelism Explosion. Um, I don't know how many of you have heard of Evangelism Explosion. How many of you have ever heard of Evangelism Explosion? Okay. Evangelism Explosion was started by a, a church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And uh, in about 1964, by Dr. James Kennedy, um, he went out with a man evangelizing and uh, doing visitation. And uh, he saw people being led to the Lord. And he couldn't believe it. And he, and he saw the, the cha- how God, God used this man to lead people to Christ. Um, and so he started teaching his own congregation uh, how to lead people to Christ. That congregation, um, it grew to be very big, but th- that's not their main thing that they achieved. Their ministry in one generation reached every single nation in the world. You can go to any country in the world, they have the ministry of evangelism explosion. And I can say that because I'm in Spain, and I'm in Honduras, and El Salvador, and it's, it's every single country um, I've, I've been to. Maybe not in a great way, but they're there and still making disciples. So that is something really amazing to see one church in one generation reach the whole world. Every con- not every continent, every single nation, 162 nations they reached in one generation before he just died about five years ago or so. Um, now, so God really has blessed it, but, but evangelism explosion has some weaknesses. It has some serious weaknesses, I consider. Um, and one of the, the, the weaknesses is it needs to um, emphasize repentance more. And so we'll talk about that. Although the, this book doesn't even talk about repentance. The second book does. Okay. Because this is just, so I want, if anybody reads it, where's repentance? But it's because this is just like an introduction, uh, and, I'll, and I'll explain why. Um, so we'll talk about repentance. What's the place of repentance in salvation? Um, the other thing that they're weak is the explanation of sin. Okay, so their sin, they use some... V- illustrations and some verses and God can use that so it could be enough but I found that it's good to intersect in um, we marry the are, how many of you are familiar with Ray Comfort's the way of the master training okay the how to use the law so we're gonna we're going to marry evangelism explosion to Ray Comfort stuff or not really come the law how to use the law we're gonna beef up the section on sin using the law we're gonna learn how to use the law um, in a way that would bring, helps produce conviction of sin. And so that, that was a big thing. So we'll have, we'll beef up that section. We'll talk about repentance. And the third thing is they have a, they, they, they encourage people to lead others in prayer, like pray after me to receive Christ. And I have done that with people when I didn't have much experience and I was looking to put notches on my belt, you know, and, uh, you know, um, but I've realized no, we don't, we don't lead people. I suggest, I suggest, I don't say don't do it. It's not God's will. Um, sometimes people need a little help maybe, but I, I suggest that we don't lead people in prayer. And I will try to talk about that um, at the end of this training. So um, when we talk about evangelism, there's three parts to evangelism or three parts to a presentation. I'm trying to give you guys a, a, a tool you can use with people to, to lead them to Christ, especially with people whose hearts have been prepared. Um, I see everybody on a scale of 0 to 10. Here's 5. I see everybody uh, on a scale of 0 to 10 
and 10 being that they're saved. If they're saved, okay, there are 10. They've gotten converted, okay? But anybody who's not saved is somewhere along this, this line, okay? And our goal is just to move people up a little bit further, but I'll get to that later. This tool of the, the evangelism explosion is called the hand illustration are for people more maybe in this sector. They already have received, these are people who have more light. These are people, they, they've never received much light. They don't know much about the gospel. They don't know much about anything in the Bible. So they're further down here. They're further from God, okay? So this I take a slower approach. It doesn't mean you can't share the gospel using this and just go very slow, okay? This tool though, the hand illustration, is kind of like a reaping tool. It's for people who are near the end and they've heard the gospel and now they have to make a decision and you're bringing it all together for them and giving them a, an opportunity to receive Christ, okay? Um, just to kind of give you that, that kind of that idea. The other thing is there's three parts to a presentation. Um, it's kind of like a flight, like a, a, a flying a plane. There's the takeoff, there's the flight, and then there's the landing, okay? The takeoff is your introduction. How do you get going? How do you bring up the subject? How do you even get start talking about the guy? And then the flight, this is the gospel. And this is what we're learning tonight. This is what we'll be learning the next. We're learning this section. It's the easiest part. And then you have the landing. Now, which do you cons which of you would which is the most the, the hardest part? The takeoff, the landing, or the flight? What would you think? Take off. The takeoff. Okay. Okay. It's the landing. It's the landing. I also know how to fly. So uh, the after the landing, the takeoff would be the second hardest, and then the flight. Once you're up in the air and that's a, so we're learning the easy part first. It's the, the takeoff that's a little bit difficult. Get going. The landing, so the takeoff is your introduction into the gospel. We'll talk about that. Then the gospel, your landing is the decision. Bringing them to a place of making a decision or not bringing them to a place. Knowing maybe they're not ready yet, you know. I better not lead them into a false profession. Don't, I don't want to pick the fruit, green fruit. Right? So we're not out trying to, we're not here tonight, oh, let's go out and start getting professions of faith. No, we don't, we're not looking for professions of faith and we're not looking for decisions. We're looking for conversions. We're looking for true salvation in, 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 in people. So that's God's work. Okay, any questions up to this point? Okay, let's look at your book. Write your name in your book. And could someone just read the very first page. It's just as you open it up, there's a little, I like this. That book is yours. It doesn't cost you anything. So um, what does that say there? When people are effectively trained to share their faith, they will do so regularly with great joy and wonderful results. And I believe that's true. I believe that's true. As uh, Ken and I have been on the field, we've tried to train others in evangelism. Not everyone goes on to be effective in it, but there are many that do. And you hear their reports back and you're like, it's just so wonderful to hear that they continue on and winning people to the Lord. Okay, let's look at page um, 
7. The first thing we see here is um, for, ask a question. Uh, what do you hope to learn tonight or achieve from this, these five weeks we're going to be together? So maybe you could just share. And you can write that in there. I think, what do you, you, know, what do you hope to... My book, I think, it's a little bit different, but about the same. Okay, so what do you, why are you here tonight? Did you hear there was going to be some good dinner? And you, no, no. Why, why, what are you hoping to learn the next five weeks? What would you like to learn in the next five weeks? That way I can be sure I cover it. Katie? Kate? Katie? <laughs> um, well, I like the idea of like a, a natural way to do it. Okay, good, good. This presentation, by the way, is perfect for Catholics. Um, it's good for any, anybody, really, because there's only two religions in the world. Um, it goes back to Cain and Abel. Um, Cain offered up the fruit of, the la- of his labors of his own hands. And Abel just offered up a blood sacrifice, faith in that sacrifice. And all the religions in the world are just an attempt of man trying to offer God the fruit of the labor of their hands, something that they're doing to be accepted. So that's why there's only two religions in the world. Satan confuses us. Oh, there's millions, there are thousands. No, there's only two. So it's always the same. They're just based upon, they're seeking to make God their debtor by they've done good things. and, And they say, well, you owe me salvation, you know. We'll get to that, but we'll, this is a great presentation uh, for working with Catholics. Okay? I, I just feel like uh, I've always heard you need to build a bridge, you need to build a bridge, and, you know, so you meet these people, and I meet them all over the place in different jobs of mine, and I'm like, okay, now I need to get past that bridge, and I'm like, I feel like with a few of the people I've been, know, I've known for years, I mean, I haven't gotten any further than the bridge. Yeah, yeah. That's, there was a book written by Jim Peterson. He's one of my favorite writers uh, called Friendship Evangelism. He worked for Campus Crusade for Christ. The only problem, people who read that book, they have a tendency to fall off the, on the, the side of just going, letting t- too much time go by building friendships and they never get to the gospel. Then you have Ray Comfort on the other side, which I like, because he's urgent. He's more urgent in confronting people. I like to take a little bit more of a middle of the road, um, maybe leaning towards Ray Comfort a little bit more. I'm not going to wait three years before I tell somebody I'm a Christian, right? Um, I've actually had that conversation. I was just uh, visiting um, Zolt and Rebecca in Hungary. They have a small home fellowship there, and I went out. They were, they were big on the book. Have you ever heard the book, The Insider? Yes. I recommend The Insider, but... They're all off in the insider. I mean, it's great. I love it. I, read, I love that. I've learned a lot. This is Jim Peterson, the idea of a scale, of people being on a, on a scale, okay, um, and moving people up. But I talked to this one girl, and I said, so she says, what do I do? I've had this friend. I don't know how to bring up the gospel. Oh, how long have you been a friend? Three years. I said, you pretty much missed your opportunity, you know. You know, now if you if you tell her really why you were trying to be her friend, she's going to be turned off. She said, the only reason you want to be my friend was because you wanted to say this to me. Um, so there is a, you, we want to practice friendship evangelism. We want to, it, friendship is, is relationships. It's mainly relationships. It's not a sales pitch. 
Okay? It's not techniques. It is relationship, but we don't have to wait so long. Okay? And, uh, well, we don't have to wait that long. Okay. Um, what else would you like to learn? What else are you hoping to learn in these next weeks? Um, I came because uh, I have family members that I want to evangelize, but I need to do it in a quiet and neat spirit close family members. Yes, yes. That's so good. Um, my own son-in-law, Bobby, was telling, just mentioning to my daughter, Jessica, this week, when he got saved uh, at Chabot, he was immediately told that he should get, get training and start to witness up in, um, at Cal State Hayward, and he should work with Japanese students on the campus. And he did that for months. He worked with Japanese students on Cal State Hayward. A Bible, leading a Bible study with Tom Niemer. And then he was told you should be interested in missions. So he went to Nicaragua and he spent a year with me. He said, no one told me I was supposed to go back to my home and try to reach my family first. And I feel so bad I didn't start with my own family. And that's really where we have to start, is start with your own family if they're not believers. I'm not saying don't go anywhere else, but you do want to start at home. And, and there's some great promises it's hard to start at home and they're all Catholic and they don't want to hear you. I mean, I tried. I did. I honestly did when I first got saved. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, it's also sometimes because we don't know how to approach them. Mm-hmm. We go home and say, you're all going to hell. <laughs> you know, and all right, well, they just lost 20 years on that one. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, we t- you know, 10 to 15, 20 years to, to, to overcome that. So um, maybe we'll have time to talk about that. Well, that's good. So you're... All right. Um, anyone else? Why are you here? One more. What are you hoping to learn? What would you like to learn? Well, I like that clause in the, in the front. You just be more confident, more equipped, I guess, maybe to, to share the gospel and not feel like I'm doing something I don't know how to do. Okay. Good. <clears throat> That's good. All right. Well, um, So what we're going to do, what we hope to accomplish is to, um, I'm hoping to, uh, to, catch, to help you catch a fresh vision for the lost and to get excited about reaching out to the lost and the urgency of it. Um, I want to give you, renew your vision to reach your own families, your friends, your acquaintances. And we also want to learn a really easy to remember or an easy to learn in a hard to forget way of sharing the faith. Okay, so um, we're gonna be looking at a way of sharing the gospel that's easy to learn, almost impossible to forget. And uh, most of us have learned gospel presentations that you have to memorize and outline, right? And after, I don't know about you, but my own, I I could study that outline all week long and then on the, the night I'm supposed to do the test and, and write the outline, I can't remember anything. I'm like, now what was that again? And it's just so, and it then asked me a few years later, what was the outline? I, I did Monday Night Visitation at Fairhaven for years. I still don't, I couldn't tell you the outline right now, what it is. But I, I can tell the outline, this outline, mm-hmm. and uh, it's so easy. And we'll, we'll learn that in a few minutes. Dave is going to help us with that. Um, why do you want to see your friends get saved? Some of you have taught you want to see your family get saved, your Catholic, you want to see your friends at work, Katie, get saved. Why is that? You know why this is really cool? It's because 
God lives in us. The heart of God lives in us. The only reason you're, you're even here tonight, the only reason you're interested in learning about evangelism is because God has put a desire in you for others. We've got to stir that f- flame up because he really has a desire. He says he doesn't desire that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of the truth. All should come to repentance. So we, he, the reason we even want to be here tonight, the reason we want to learn how to evangelize, if I asked you how many of you want to learn how to win souls, how many would raise your hands? I think all of you, right? You're going to be here tonight. And it's because God loves us. A God is in us, the God of love, and he's wanting to love others through us. And that's really exciting to uh, realize. And of course, we've been called to share our faith. Um, in Mark 1.17, the first commandment is, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Jesus' last commandment in Acts 1.8 is, you will be my witnesses, Right? to Judea, or to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So isn't that interesting that his first and last commandments had to do with witnessing or evangelism, winning people? Why? Um, What comes to my mind is look at what he did for us, and the only way people are going to hear about that and know about it is if we take the message out. He did that work 2,000 years ago, but... People don't know. They're not as born with that knowledge. They have to be told. They have to be, uh, we have to share this message. And then you have the Great Commission teaching us to go out and make disciples um, and teaching them to observe all that he commanded us. Then you have the example of the early church. Let's look at this. This is key. Look at Acts 8. Sometimes I say that if we don't fulfill, fulfill Acts 8, uh, 1.8, God will send us Acts 8.1. So uh, what does Acts 8.1 say? Can someone read Acts 8.1 and verse 4? Yes. Uh, now Saul is consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, uh, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria, except the apostles. And number four says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Okay. So, what was the Great Commission? What were, who, were, who were they to take the gospel to? All right. What was the order in Acts 1-8? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. And so what are they, which, they're scattered and where do they go? In, in eight one, yeah, in Samaria. Yeah, and they say is this the church in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Judea, Samaria, and so um, the church had not obeyed the Lord's command up to this point. I, I don't know exactly how many years went by. Some. Um, some would say about 15 years had gone by. I'm not exactly sure. I need to do some more study on that. But time had gone by, and they had not obeyed that command. They were still there. So the Lord allowed a, a persecution, the death of Stephen. But what happened? The, it says that the believers were scattered in verse 4, and they went everywhere preaching the gospel. This is the key. And the, the apostles, what happened to them? They stayed. They had to have been very, whoops, I'm sorry, this 
Is there a way to get this? Oh, here it is right here. Okay, I got it now. I got it. The, this is very important that the apostles stayed, but the, the believers were scattered. What does this tell us? This tells us, this is when the, uh, the church began to multiply and grow. Um, one of the greatest victories that of Satan so far has been, has been to create the difference between clergy and laity. It's to divide the church in professionals and the common people. The laity are just the common. They would just come and listen and just sit there and soak it up. But the clergy were the, the professionals and they were to teach the rest of them. Well, let's apply that to um, a warfare. Like It's like the generals doing all the fighting and all the soldiers are just sitting on the seats and on the benches. See, today, the, the elders, or not just elders, the leaders are doing all the ministry and all the believers are just sitting, uh, maybe waiting for orders or not sure what they're supposed to do. Now, I'm just talking about in general. I'm not talking about Calvary or Fairhaven. I'm just saying in general, it's just we, the church is turning this professional performance. It's turned into uh, most big churches are like, um, it's like a professional show. The, the musicians, I mean, I've been to a church in Florida recently. Um, you know, they, the, they have a lady come out. She starts talking about their church and all these, you know, our programs. And all of a sudden she starts praying. Everybody bow your head. And she prays. And when you open up your, there's the band. The band's there. And all of a sudden there's smoke going. And uh, it's like wow. this, it's like this production. Then this band is like top notch. Whoa, where do these guys come from? They're like professionals. And then, then the pastor comes out and he starts saying first one. And then he leads you in a prayer. And when you open your eyes, it's just the pastor and the, ba- the band and all their equipment has disappeared. They have, because they have it on rollers. Okay. And you're like, whoa, this is like being to Disneyland or something. This is, you know, you know, this is like uh, Walt Disney's church or something. You know, it's like it's just a professional. And so the whole thing. So you have thousands of people sitting there. You know, most people have said that the church is is like a football game. Most churches are like a football game. You have 22 soccer players who are in desperate need of rest. and You have 5000 spectators in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> and so most churches are like that. You know, this the. the the soldiers are sitting down with their, so, their rifles and they don't know what to do. And they start getting bored. They start shooting at each other, you know, and, and they're just, they don't know what to do. So the job of the, t- the leaders of the, the, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's kind of like a good coach in a football game. What he should do is, okay, we've got some players out here. Let's have some of the spectators come down out of the bleachers, get on the field, and we'll train you how to play football. You watch these guys, let's play together and we'll train you. Oh, wow. Now we're too many on the field. We don't fit. Well, why don't you guys go off over there and start another football game? You know, <laughs> play a game somewhere else and get some more of the spectators down and we'll train you. Oh, now we're too many again. Why don't you guys go off? You want to start playing football? Well, why don't you go over there somewhere and play a football game? See, if we keep training, we will be able to multiply and, and do the work. But we have to keep training. So that's why this is so important. What we're doing. And what I'm teaching you all, you really should try to pass it on to others. Um, that's the goal. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So this was the early church's secret. It was just the average believer going. Um, they lived their faith 
and they shared it with others as a natural activity uh, of their new lives in Christ. It was just their daily way of living. That is the secret. The secret to growth in a church is are the believers just sharing their faith as a way of life, going through every day, looking for where God is working. And I'll talk about that. I'm going I'm to give you some ideas to see what God is doing around you and how to join God in what he's doing. But that is where the growth comes. And the real growth comes in a church through the new believers. The new believers are more, have new, they have all these friends and stuff, and we need to help them reach those people. Okay. That's another subject. Okay. Now, why is it so hard to share our faith with others? We're going to look at a video now called The Fishermen. Look at page eight, and you're going to break up in groups again, the same people maybe you prayed with, and you're going to answer these questions. We're going to look at this video, and uh, we're going to look at how does the fishermen in this video, the boat, the fishing tackle, and the water relate to the church. You want to put on the five and... This one and, and oh look at this one right here. This one so you've got a snake skin looking handle because I want to look good when I'm fishing. You know what I mean? So I, I can do it. I can fish with this one and look good. It's, it's good. I like it. And you know when you're fishing, you gotta have a lot of different bait and lures and lots of different colors and and uh, you gotta you gotta have a lot of different things. And then sometimes the fish just aren't interested at all. They're not interested in anything, and so you gotta scare them a little bit. And so you get one of these lures right here. And that, that'll scare them. And you might just spook them enough to get a bite. So if you want to scare your fish, then you can use something like that. Oh, this is one of my favorites right here. This, this is a special hook and lure right here. You don't want to use this when you're trying to go for any old bottom feeder. No, you want this one when you're going for a quality fish. If you know you got a quality fish, then you want to bring out something like this. That, I just keep it right in the package. It's special to me. So, yeah, you got to have a lot of different things in your tackle box. So you're a fisherman. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm a fisherman. I, I, I come from a fishing family. Uh, my daddy was a fisherman. My granddaddy before him, he was a fisherman. Uh, all my friends are fishermen. Well, no, that's not exactly true. I, I, I did have some non-fishing friends, but we just don't spend that much time together. Oh, well, why don't you? Well... I love to fish, they don't, so, you know, we just don't have that much in common, so I hang out with my fishing buddies. Don't you like non-fishermen? Well, sure I do. It's not that. It's just that they don't fish. Why do you think it is they don't fish? Because they're stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They know all about fishing, they know how great it is, and they don't fish, let them eat worms. They're stupid. Well, could you just go teach them how to fish? Oh, no, no, I, I'm no expert. I, I couldn't teach anybody anything. What am I going to do? Go door to door, knocking on doors, saying, hey, why don't you accept fishing into your life? Or you're really missing it. Or, or, you know, hey, why don't you come fishing with me? Or let's go down to fishing club this weekend. No, no, people just laugh at me. I don't want that. Well, I hear this is a great lake for fishing. 
Why don't you put your boat in the water? <laughs> well, you know, I, I like it right here. We, I come down here, got donuts, I got fishing buddies, we talk, share all kinds of fishing stories, we'll shine up our boats, polish them up, get them clean, I love it, I like it right here. Well, how often do you actually go fishing? Well, it's hard to say. Once a week? No. Once a month? No. Once a year? You know? To be honest with you, I don't remember the last time I went fishing. But you like fishing? Well, sure, I love it. I, I love everything about it. But you see, that's just it. What if I go to talk to somebody and I tell them how much I love fishing, and I'll go on and on and on. You know what that's going to do? That's going to turn them off. It'll turn them off to fishing. And, and, and I'll just come across as one of those wetter-than-now guys. I don't want that. Yet you call yourself a fisherman. Yeah, absolutely I do. But you don't fish. Well, fishing's not my gift. You see, but but I do all kinds of other things. I, I, I'm the president of this here fishing club, and, and we've got a, a building project going right now where we're going to build a big clubhouse where people can come down and talk about fishing. And, and I teach a casting class on Wednesday nights. I'm real busy. Truth is, I just don't have time to fish anymore. Well, why don't you go ahead and put your boat in the water? No, no, I like it right here. It's, it's dangerous out there. But things can happen to you out there on the water. I'm just more comfortable right here with my fishing buddies. Well, how about walking down to the shore and throwing out a line there? No, no, there's rocks down there. They're slippery. There's mud down there. What if I slipped and fell, got mud all over my outfit? People would laugh at me. I don't want that. But you say this is a great place to fish. Yeah, say, did I show you all my tackle and all the different things I have? And oh my goodness, look at the time. I, I really do need to get going now. Well, if you just show us how to catch a fish, just one fish. No. Okay, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Why not? You seem to have all that it takes. Look, I could go down there, throw my line in the water. Maybe the fish are hungry, maybe they're not. We could be here all day and not catch anything. I could scare the fish. Another fisherman could come along later. He wouldn't catch anything. Besides, what if I did catch a fish? It doesn't just stop there, you know. You ever spent much time around fish? Let me tell you, they stink. They stink. They flop around. I could bring him into my boat. He'd flop around, get his smell all over everything. They're slimy. You gotta clean them. You gotta fillet them. <laughs> what am I going to do? You want me to take them home, introduce them to my family? They don't like fish either. You're kidding. You don't like fish? Look, truth is, I can't stand fish. Is that a crime? Okay. <laughs> take some time. Look at those, that list of questions. But we're going to do this fast, okay? We don't have 20 minutes. Just real quick, just a few thoughts, share your thoughts together, and one of, from each of your groups will share some of the thoughts. Okay, so we're looking at pages eight and nine. How does, you know, the, the, how does it relate? What excuses do fishermen offer for why they don't fish? What excuses do Christians use for not sharing their faith? What were some of the real reasons the fishermen didn't fish? What are some real reasons Christian don't, Christians don't share their faith? And what was his main reason for not sharing? Okay, do it in groups of twos and threes, okay? Share it, share together.
Okay, let's go ahead and look at that. Um, so what did you get under uh, how does the fisherman boat, tackle, and water relate to the church? What did you come up with? I don't want to deal with unbelievers because I'll get dirty. Okay. Okay. So what's the water? The world. What's the boat? The church. Okay, the church, church building. Okay. The fisherman? Believer. Okay. The fishing tackle? The gospel. Testimony. Okay. The tackle. Tools, right? We have different tools, the gospel, tracks. We have all these different things. Okay. What excuses did the fisherman offer for why he didn't fish? <laughs> no time. No time. Didn't want to get dirty. What else? Didn't want to get dirty. Didn't want to get dirty. He was comfortable where he was. And see, that's such an important point. I could almost go the whole night just on that point. Because um, if you notice, we do most of we live most of our Christianity in uh, church buildings. Is that true or false? That's true. Okay. And we want the fish to come to us. We want the fish to come to the boat where we're comfortable. But we need to learn ways to get out, go where the fish are comfortable and, and get uncomfortable ourselves. And the best example is Acts 10, uh, when Peter, a Jew, went into the house of Cornelius, a Gentile. He had to defend himself even when he went back to Jerusalem. But God had to give Peter a vision and deal with him to force him, to make him to be obedient, to go into Cornelius' house. But Cornelius, remember, was a Gentile, was a God-fearing man. And what does it say in Acts 10, 24? Uh, who was he sitting with? Cornelius. It says he was sitting with his family and his best friends. He was in his element. He was in his little pond. And he was comfortable. Now, Peter... Being a Jew with four others, they were very uncomfortable, but they went there out of obedience, out of, and they did, and God. So that was this um, Saturday. Ken and I are going into a home. We've we've already gone once. Uh, we're going into a home of Mexican a Mexican family. They only speak Spanish for the most part, and I can tell you, we went there, and it was very uncomfortable. We were very we were very uncomfortable. And they were all comfortable because they were sitting in their living room. They had their TV blaring and they had their programs on. We were the outsiders, but they were comfortable. And we just came in and just tried to adapt and make them feel that, see that we try to be comfortable, show that we were comfortable as well. And we had dinner with them. And the idea was to start what we call a discovery group with them or a Bible study. And we start this next Saturday, Lord willing, to pray for that. We're starting with a whole family. We're trying to win whole families household salvation not just individuals but you have to get uncomfortable you have to go out of the boat I, I like to look at think of to fish you throw the nets overboard you know house any house meetings are very good because you can attract fish into those meetings easier but um, we got to get out of the boat we're, we're got to get we have to get uncomfortable and go where people are comfortable okay that thank you for sharing that that's really good any other thoughts any other excuses he gave might scare the fish for somebody else. What do you think what that meant, Sam? How do you apply that? How was he, what was he thinking? Well, maybe he thought that he might go and try and fish and 
I think believers do that sometimes when we're going, oh, if I talk to somebody, it might give them some ideas, and then if I have someone else come help me talk to them, they'll already be turned off and we'll lose an opportunity that we might have later. Okay, good. And maybe I'll ruin it for somebody else that follows, comes behind me, so I better not say anything at all. That's good. All right, anything else? There, he said something else that... He felt like he was going to get embarrassed. Okay. I thought it was interesting too. He had like different types of tackle for different situations, right? So here's my really nice um, lure, basically for for special occasions only. Like let's keep it right here, my nice my vest. Right? Yeah. yeah, he's never used it. Like if you have a tool, don't be afraid to break it out. Use it, and maybe you have your go-to things, but don't keep them in their package. Get them out of their package and use them. Yeah, I don't like that point because it's it hits too close to home. I have Bibles at home. I have boxes full of you know things I could give away to people. Tracks. I have stacks of tracks and rubber bands in my on my shelves in my house. You know, so I don't really want the Lord to come back with I have all these things all sitting in these boxes in my house. You know, so I don't really like that point. <laughs> okay, do you have any tracks or Bibles in your house that you you meant to be given away and? You're still there on the show? <laughs> okay. What are some of the excuses that Christians use for not sharing their faith? Someone else? Dan? Well, fear of others. Fear of others? Yeah. What way? What, what, what are we afraid of? It could be a multitude of things. You start, you wouldn't be able to finish. Um, you would have... I had this happen to me when I was a young Christian that very difficult questions which I wasn't prepared to answer. But I realized the time it was God teaching me, yeah, you're going to hit those. So every time you hit one, learn from it and keep going. And then after that, I went into the, the intern program. I suppose a lot more there. Okay, it's, there's a lot of aspects of fear. That's a very good point that um, when someone does ask you a question, you don't know the answer. Okay, it's okay to be stumped once, but we don't have an excuse to be stumped twice. So we should investigate on that. Um, Ray Comfort wrote a Bible called the Evidence Bible. Um, you can download the Kindle version. It's really cheap. And he has a lot of good um, answers to that, you know, of like when people have questions. or So just study, look for answers. How many of you are afraid to talk to people because you're afraid they'll ask you a hard question? What kind of keeps your mouth shut? Is there anybody here that has that problem? Okay, Steve. Okay. Yeah. But you can always just say, you know, that's a very good question. I've never thought about it. Can we get back together next week or in another day and we can talk about it? I'll look at, I'll see if I can find an answer for you. Are you real sincere about that? But in the meantime, and keep going on, you know, maybe we can, I'll look for an answer, but try to come back with something. That's a great way of continuing your conversation uh, in evangelism, you know. Okay. What are some of the real reasons fishermen, the fishermen didn't fish? Getting closer to home now. It's too lazy. Okay. He didn't like the fish. He didn't like the fish. So what is the application? Lack of love for Lack for love of, for what? The, the fish. And where are the fish? Unsaved. Unsaved, yeah. Do we love the unsaved? Or we see them, oh, they're just so messy. Don't want to get involved. We're looking for the clean cut. We're looking for the fish that are already filleted. Is even <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. They're already cleaned and, you know, packaged. 
and we just take them home, you know, and they're, they're educated, no problems, no past dramas or baggage, and they just kind of instant leaders, you know. Yeah, Jake. Um, something else that will hit close to home. Um, most of you guys know Bobby Campbell. Like, when uh, I met him probably a year and a half or something after he got saved, and at that point he was pretty well refined already, but if you listen, we just listened to his testimony, and from what he came, he was not a good fish, if you will. He, it took him a long time to get flooded um, and cleaned up, and he's going on very strong for the Lord, but that period there, it's, who is this guy? He smells funny. He doesn't act the way we do. All of a sudden, he makes me feel uncomfortable at my, in my boat at, at church, but he needs, he's going through a process, and sometimes it takes longer than others, but that whole idea of, I can't be scared just because this guy maybe is rough around the edges doesn't mean he doesn't need Jesus, and he will be clean cut after Jesus works on him for... Yeah. That's right. You need Jesus. Yeah, that's good. I don't know if you all know that that's my son-in-law, the guy he's referring to. So, uh, Bobby Campbell. Don't tell him I said that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I know, um, he already knows that. They, you like know. To, they like to say, let people know that they're Christian. He was very showy. He wanted to tell people what a good fisherman he was and all this that. And I know people like that, but yet that's all you get from them is that I'm a Christian. Maybe they might tell you what church they go to, but generally it's just showing. It's not, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying they're not saved, but they, that's as far as they've gone is to tell people. And um, there was two more things that he mentioned, uh, and I'd like to bring them out. Anybody else have those in your you that why he didn't fish? Was he was scared of the water. Okay, so he was scared to kind of go out and witness and be out in the world. He was scared of the unbeliever. Scared of the fish. Okay, good. What else? Well, he said he didn't feel like he had the gift of fishing. So it's like, so I'll believe it or not, I feel like, well, I have the gift. Of course, you have evangelism or I don't have a winning personality that I can't win people. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's the pastor's job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, and evangelism is, it's, um, it's interesting. It doesn't appear in any of the list of gifts, like in Romans 12. Um, First Corinthians doesn't appear in the list. Evangelism, it does appear in Ephesians four as a as a, as a pure persons in the church, but it doesn't matter if it's if we were, were commanded to evangelize. Paul exhorted Timothy to do the work of evangelist. Paul was Tim, uh, Timothy was timid, and he didn't have the gift. Uh, I evangelize, but I don't. I don't think. I don't really. If you know me, if you knew me better, I don't even think. I. I don't think I have the gift of evangelism. I don't think. Oh, you have the gift. You knew me well. You know. It's not like I have this long list of people who have come to the Lord. I do it. I try to do it out of obedience. I just try to do it because the Lord and the Lord's put His love in my heart for them to tr at least try. Okay. So, you know, I like what Spurgeon said. I don't have his quote, but he said that we should. Not make the excuse um, uh, to not fish. That, that, but what we should do is, or not to, to not evangelize. But we should to exercise ourselves to to learn how to share our faith until it becomes easy. You know, we go to school four, five, six years, 
we go to school our whole life. But we go to college and we spend all this time studying stuff, but how much time do you ever really spend learning how to share the most important message there is on the whole, the whole universe? You know? So I'm always reading books on evangelism to learn, to be better. Trying to, and I try to put them into practice. I try to experiment with them. So really we should make more effort. Maybe it's just, there's some laziness involved uh, on our part. Eric, uh, Eric Shokin was preaching, I, think, I don't know, about three weeks ago, I think, and he said one thing that I've always thought, well, you know, we say we have to not cram it down people's throat, but our lives should show. But he said, you still got to speak, you still have to talk, you still have to, you know, yes. that part's being left out. I'm just going to show them I'm a good Christian, you know. They might just think you're a good Mormon or something. If they don't know you're a Christian, you know, you're a good person or a good Catholic. Yeah. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to hear the message. How should they hear unless someone preaches them, you know? So uh, we, we have to take the message. Okay. Um, what are some of the, and there was another thing he said, the reason he didn't fish. Get the boat dirty. Does anybody think that is really important? Yes. Uh, that would be another reason. Uh, he said, I'm no expert, right? But another one was, didn't have time. He was busy. So many Christians. I think, I think Satan has us so busy that we don't really, we're, we're, we're involved in programs and in all kinds of things that are good, but sometimes the good can be enemy of the best. We should always be asking ourselves this question to ourselves, not about our church, but our, you can say it out on church level too, but it's for yourself. Um, is that as a result of all my activity and busyness and work, am I seeing disciples made? That's the bottom line. Am I making disciples? It's not how busy I am, how many clubs I'm in or programs I'm in. It's, am I seeing, you know? There was a, a, a book written years ago called The Lost Art of Disciple Making by Leroy Arms. And he gave this uh, illustration of this big shoe factory and money and, and materials were going into the factory and people. And what do you expect to come out the other side? You know, the money is to pay the workers and materials. What is supposed to come out the other side? Shoes, you know. That's, but if no shoes come out the other side, is there a problem? There's a real problem. So in the church, if we have the church, oh, excuse me, you know, we have the church, and we have money, and we have people, you know, and they're in there working, and what should be coming out the other side? Evangelism and disciples. Oh, disciples. That's our goal. Go and, you know, make disciples. And if no disciples are coming out that, that make disciples, that make disciples, something is wrong. Satan has us just going around in circles. We're all busy. We're just, he's got us. I'm reading a book and, and he says, basically, Satan has us so confused that anything we think of doing outside the building, it's almost like, oh, that's division. Or, well, what about the local church? Don't we have to keep it strong? It's, the church has become almost like a prison for Christians, an invisible jail. 
that if you try to break out and do anything, now you're a rebel or something, or you're, <laughs> you know, you're, what are you doing, you know, out there? Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yes. We're, <laughs> we're, we should be making disciples and preaching the gospel and go into all the world. Go. He didn't say come. So we need to, I'm going to teach you ways tonight in these next few weeks how to start doing this. Once you understand what God wants you to do and how to do it, it becomes very exciting. Life becomes very, very exciting. It's just, you become, God's plan for us is to be his co-workers. We are his ambassadors. And life is meant to be very exciting, not to accumulate possessions, which is okay to have a nice house. It's okay to have a good car. That's not the idea. But not living for that. Our real goal in life is to be seeking to see people rescued from darkness and saved from eternal separation from God. That's our real mission in life, if we understand what the Bible is. The whole Bible is about trying to, is God reconciling the world back to himself. And he wants to use us as his ambassadors. And he even says that in 2 Corinthians 5. We are Christ's ambassadors, saying, be reconciled to God. That's our ministry. That's our, 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 and then make disciples of them, of course. But so, what did you want, Candy? Eve? Well, yes. I was just wondering that the situation seems like a lot of Christians would rather focus on just ministering to other Christians. Uh, and that they're more comfortable with that. Yes. How do you balance that? Yeah, well, I think um, there's a place for that, too. I think, but our air, our, our, the, the, this is the thing. The church should be like a body. We are the body. Christ is the head. And a body, you know, I don't know if it's meant to be this detailed in the Bible, but a body has two legs, right? And so the two main legs of a church, or the two main things, should be um, teaching, edification, and discipleship. That's inward. But the other thing is evangelism outward. So think of my legs. This leg, I want to have some pants made that says evangelism on this leg. <laughs> and on this side, teaching or edification. Edification, no, inward. And the church goes forward when it edifies inward and makes disciples, but it also evangelizes outward. Then you go forward. But if you only have a church that's evangelizing, this is the left leg, you go in circles. If you have a church that only teaches, you'll go in circles the other direction. The assemblies are known for their teachers. We have many gifted teachers, and so we have a tendency to go in circles. The Pentecostals have great, a lot of evangelists, so they're going in circles the other way. We need to have balance. You know, we need to have that balance of edification. And, and I think the key is this. It's... it's it's equipping the saints so that everybody is in their day-to-day life is learning how to get in touch with God, what he's doing around you. God is at work all around us. He's working in people, and we need to learn to discern that and join God in what he's doing. That's when it becomes very exciting. We are God's co-workers, it says. God isn't our co-worker. We're not saying, God, please bless my work. No, and we'll see that in a minute. We want God, show me what you're doing, and I will join you and what you're doing. Okay, so why are, what are some reasons? Uh, so we have busyness, programs, and things like that. We've lost relationships 
the idea of relationships, that's where it's at. Fred Colvin in Austria, if you ask him, what is the key in evangelism? He'd say relationships with, you know, us making relationships and friendships and sharing over those friendships, or those relationships. Okay, so what, are the, what is the main reason for his not evangelizing or fishing, he said? I think we already said it, but let's say it again. What was the main, main reason at the end of the film, he said, why he didn't? He doesn't like fish. And could you say, for the most part, most Christians, the reason they don't evangelize is we don't love fish. We don't love them, you know. I heard an illustration recently um, about the importance of what we're doing. There was a story told of a a truck driver who was uh, going down the road, and it was early in the morning. There was foggy, and he... He kept seeing the taillights of cars disappear in front of him. He didn't, what, why are they dis... You see, the lights just kind of just disappear. And he, oh, this must be a thick bank of fog, and they're just disappearing into the fog. But as he got closer, he realized that the bridge was out. And he slammed on his brakes, and he jackknifed the truck, and he stopped, and he saw the cars just going off the end of the bridge, one after another. And he's like... What was he going to do? Just stand there and just go, wow, that, that one really went far. You know, that guy, you know, what, whoa, that, you know, whoa, wow. You know, do you think he did that? No, he grabbed a flare. He grabbed, he did, and he went out in the street and tried to run up and warn them and stop them. Well, brothers and sisters, that's what's going on in the world. People are going out into a crisis eternity and no one's stopping them. No one's even making an effort to stop them. We've lost the urgency of, of evangelism. Pe- the Bible says that people are blinded by Satan. And it's, they're, like, they're just like walking. The whole, all of humanity is like blinded. They see, but they're blind to spiritual realities. They're, it's foolishness to them. And they're like walking, and they're heading to the cliff of eternity, and no one makes any effort to get in their way and stop them. No one says anything. I think our goal, brothers and sisters, should be to try to be those people who just try to get in the way a little bit and just somehow slow them down. Make, make a little bit of a sign that something's wrong. The bridge is out. <laughs> the bridge is out. The, the, the fellowship, we're cut off from God. <laughs> but there's a bridge. <laughs> there's a bridge. <laughs> I know of another bridge. But somehow we need to be those people who are out there And if we don't do that, I think it's because we love ourselves more than we love the fish. We love ourselves more. We're worried about them. What? How I'm going to feel? I might be rejected. How am I going to feel if I don't know the answer? I'll look ridiculous. I'll be embarrassed. So I think that's where it's at. Okay, we're going to um, we're going to finish at nine. So we have half an hour. Just stick with us a little bit longer. We're going to move into some of the, uh, now the practical training uh, of the, it's called the hand illustration. I'm going to turn it over to David. We're going to go to page 11. All right, so page 11, like you're saying. Uh, so this is actually, uh, like Grant had, you had his flight, you're doing the, you had the takeoff, right? And then you have the actual flight. So this is that, that's what we're focusing on, yeah, in the landing, but... Right now we're going through the flight. This is the smoothest, easiest part. Um, this one, everyone has a hand, right? Put your hand up. 
So you can never, it's easy to remember, hard to forget because you always have your hand with you. There's no possible way you can forget it, right? So, this hand illustration, each finger that we have represents something different, right? So let's start. Uh, there's a little outline that we have on page 13. And uh, in, this, in this outline, as we go through, I'll teach you the different uh, what each finger means, and then you just fill it in with it, and then we're going to try and run through this together once you guys have it all together. So we'll start with the first one. The first one is Hitchhiker's Thumb, right? It's pointing to heaven. So this one is heaven, right? So heaven is a free gift, right? Heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. So heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. Heaven is, so you say it with me then. So, heaven is a free gift. It's not earned or deserved. Okay, awesome. Man, so that's our index finger, right? So man, you have a pointing finger. No, yeah, you, but you also have three fingers pointing back at yourself. So, so man, right? So man is a sinner. He cannot save himself. Man is a sinner. He cannot save himself. Say it with me again. Man is a sinner. He cannot save himself. Okay, and then we got the highest finger, right? The tallest finger of your three, the middle finger. And that represents God. So we have God is merciful, or you could write love. Uh, and he doesn't want to punish sin. So God is love or merciful and doesn't want to punish sin. But God is just and must punish sin. Must punish sin. doesn't want to punish us. doesn't want to punish us. Oh, he doesn't want to punish us, yeah. And then God is unjust and must punish our sin. Yeah, sorry. Um, so let's go through that together. So, God is merciful and doesn't want to punish us. God is just and must punish our sins. Okay. When you have Christ, you have like the ring finger. Uh, we have a bridegroom. So Christ is both man, God and man. So Christ is both God and man. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the penalty of our sin and purchase a place in heaven for us. Christ is both God and man. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay the penalty for our sins and purchase a place in heaven for us. And then you have the little mustard seed, the little finger, smallest finger, which is faith, right? And you have faith is not just head knowledge. Not I remember when I was, you know, uh, going to church uh, when I was younger, and I, I, I had all these, I had all those facts there, but I never, I, just, I had, I knew it all head knowledge. I believed it all. Just I know that I know what I know what he's done. So what? I don't, I don't really want to choose to believe that. Um, so faith isn't just head knowledge, nor is it just temporary faith. And temporary faith, you know, you could think of. Um, when you get on the airplane, you're oftentimes a lot of people before that takes off or when it lands, so they'll you know shoot up a little prayer and you know say, Lord, just protect me during this time. Or if you have some kind of medical illness, you know, and just during that sickness, you'll pray, Lord, you know, help me in this. So it's not just head knowledge, it's not just temporary faith. True saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. So let's run through that one then, okay? Faith, faith is not just head knowledge, nor is it just temporary faith. 
True saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. Okay. So, does everyone have their blanks filled out? I want you guys to do at this point is I want you guys to find someone next to you, maybe that you don't know well enough, and I want you guys to try and go back and forth uh, for the next five or ten minutes. Just going back and forth, getting this outline down. This is really, if you have this, this is like, let's um, play it this way. So you have this outline, right? So this book, really, if you have this body, right? So this is your, your skeleton, right? This is the skeleton that we have. If you can get this down, everything else will be pretty much a breeze from that point on. What we're going to add on is you see there's little verse references on that, and that will be like, you know, your muscles you add on to it, and you add, you know, little things like that, right? You're going to add on the muscles, and then eventually there's illustrations. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, those are biceps and whatnot. Um, so these are, those are your muscles, the muscles that you're adding on, right? This is before you learn this presentation. Uh, yeah. Small muscles. And you're going to be a nurse? <laughs> So you, have, so you have this, your skeleton we're learning, then you have, later we'll teach you the verses and that will be like the muscles you add to it. And eventually we'll add on all the skin that encloses it all with illustrations that kind of, sorry, terrible door. Then you have, <laughs> then you have the, the illustration that will teach you that kind of help transition from, uh, you know, and explain what we're, each point means. So right now we're just learning the basics, we're just learning the skeleton, uh, and if you can get this down, uh, you know, the rest will be very then on now. So pick a partner, just two two people, or if there's uh, too many people, then we do threes for one or two groups. But converse with each other and get the outline. Just go back and forth. Just uh, say, and then I'll take some volunteers if the end you want to try and uh, say that they got it out. Uh, we got Sam volunteered by Rebecca, so let's go, let's go Sam. Let's see what you got. No, you just do it. You just do the same thing. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Okay, go. Okay. Like at ninety percent here. Okay. Uh, heaven is a free gift. Uh, it is not earned or deserved. Uh, man is a sinner. He cannot save himself. Uh, God is merciful and does not want to punish us. God is also just and must punish our sin. Uh, Christ uh, is both uh, God and man. He uh, died on the cross and rose again to pay uh, for our sins and purchase a place in heaven for us. And faith is uh, something that is temporary. What was the first one? It's faith. faith is not head knowledge nor temporary faith. It a true saving faith is trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. We have one other volunteer. Good job, Heaven is a free gift, it's not earned or deserved. Man is a sinner and cannot save himself. Um, God is merciful and does not want to punish our sin. Does not want to punish us, but God is also just and must punish our sin. Christ is both God and man, and he died on the cross and rose again pay the penalty for our sin and purchase us a place in heaven. And faith is not just head knowledge or temporary faith. True saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for our eternal life. Okay, we're going to watch one more just quick presentation of this, what this looks like. This is the president. Uh, does, oh.
Does this have sound? Yeah. It doesn't have those weeks that they don't have time to go through that. Or maybe they've just become a Christian. They want to be able to share their faith. Well, you've shared something with me a while back that's in a little booklet, just a little pamphlet, how even I could learn how to share the gospel, and anybody else could as well. Now, I'm going to hold my hand, but you use your hand, and you teach me how to share the gospel. Well, fantastic. Yeah, this is actually something that has been around in the ministry for a lot of years, but it's been a, a tool, an aid for someone to be able to remember the gospel. And frankly, everywhere you go, you have the gospel with you because we generally take our hands with us as we go here and there and to and fro. And, but you have the gospel right in the palm of your hand. It's really very simple. You know, now we don't suggest young people do this today, but when we were younger, Charles, you would go out on the side of the road and you'd put your thumb in the air like this. And what were you looking for when you would put your thumb in the air like that? I was hitching a ride. <laughs> yeah. And now were you going to pay for that ride or were you hoping that that ride was going to be free? Gotta be free, John. <laughs> That's exactly right. And for us in our mind, notice that your thumb was pointing toward the sky. And so what this reminds us of, this simple part of the gospel is that heaven, pointing straight up, heaven is a free gift. And so right there in the palm of your hand, there's one little reminder as you're speaking to somebody that heaven is a free gift. Well, your second finger is something that you use when you're pointing at somebody and you're trying to say, hey, buddy, you've got a problem. And so we, we know from this second finger that man is a sinner. Now, my mom always said, don't point at people like that because there's always three more fingers that are pointed back at you. And that's the truth. The truth is we're all sinners. And so our first finger is that heaven's a free gift. Our second finger reminds us that man's a sinner. The third finger, and that's our greatest finger, it's the biggest finger that you have on our, on our hand. Well, that reminds us of the greatest being in all of the universe, and we know that to be God. So our third finger would remind us of God. And then the fourth finger, this is the finger that many people can wear jewelry on. I, I can't wear jewelry, but many people do. And, and you'd put on a ring, and that ring would say that you're married. Well, we know from the scriptures there's this beautiful image of Jesus being the groom and the church being the bride. And so this fourth finger will remind us of Jesus. So it's very easy for us to remember. And then finally, your fifth finger, that's the smallest finger on your hand. That's going to remind us of that parable in Scripture, of that little seed, the mustard seed, the smallest thing. And it, it reminds us of this thing called faith. So right there on your hand, heaven, man, sin, God, Jesus, faith, that's the gospel. Let me just show you very quickly how it works. The Bible says that heaven's a free gift, and it has to be a gift. We cannot earn it because man's a sinner. We have all fallen short of the standard that God has for us. The Bible then tells us about God, that He loves us very much. But that same Bible that tells us of His love also tells us of His justice. He cannot stand sin. And He solved that problem in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, what did Jesus do? He came and He died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins and to purchase a place in heaven for us. And how do you receive that gift? Well, you receive it by faith. And faith is simply putting your trust holy and only in Jesus Christ, and then you have eternal life. So right there in your hand is the gospel. You carry it with you everywhere you go. And as a reminder, we do have this wonderful track that you're offering uh, to any of your listeners that they can use to, to learn how to share that simple bit with their hand and teach people the gospel. John Sorensen, I think anyone can do that, even me. 
And I think we're going to do this with our team at Haven today, and we'll offer this to other people. Thank you so much for sharing the gospel with us in such an easy way. My privilege. Thank you. Pray. Praise God. Okay. So, isn't that cool? See, we're looking for methods. When you're looking for methods to share the gospel, you're looking for methods that... Um, they don't rely upon tracks and things, materials. You can do that, or books like, oh, I can't share the gospel because I don't have a forged spiritual laws track. Or, you know, or I can't. So, you know, you always have your hand. Now, when you're sharing the gospel with your hand, you don't have to put use the fingers. It's kind of for you to stay on track. It's to help you remember what the outline is. If you think it would help, I have done this before um, with a lady, and, and I said, uh, you know, heaven's like a free gift. You, you know, you say, we're all sinners. And she says, wait a second, let me write this down. And she made a profession of faith at the end of the, the presentation. And uh, so um, she wanted to write out so she could share it with somebody else. So maybe you can use it. Just practice. Now, our goal with all of you is not that you come up with this memorized can approach, okay? Like, uh, it's like a magic wand. You just say these five things and voila, they're going to uh, conversion. No, it's not like that. But it is, we're trying to give you a basic framework, the outline, to the skeleton, if you want to call it that, to help you kind of start developing your own presentation. Because most, or not most, many Christians, especially new Christians, really have no idea what to say. And so we're especially wanting to uh, help those of you who don't have any kind of presentation. There's others who've been sharing their faith for years, and they already kind of have what, the way they say it. We're not out, we're not, we don't want you to change that. If you're seeing fruit, Maybe one little point out of this will help you. But the goal is that each of you kind of come up with your own presentation. Make your own and practice and experiment and come up with what works for you. There was one more thing that um, in this very nice, uh, this, this creative illustration. David, you might want to sign this and we can sell this, you know. Uh, you know, but... We, we're kind of looking at it. We have the skeleton, which just is our basic points. And then we have the muscles. If you look at your, um, your outline, it has a few verses. We'd like you to start looking at those verses. Come next week with this outline memorized and start looking at those verse references. Romans 6.23, because it says the free gift of God is eternal life. Ephesians 2.8.9. Um, so on page 13, you have those references. Start memorizing just the references. We're not saying memorize the verses. But know what those, those references are. Okay, that'll help you. Those are what give power to the presentation. Those are the muscles. And then the illustrations, we're going to learn one illustration for, for each point. And the illustrations are like the skin. You know, it's like making it come up, makes it, you can understand it better. Some of us, I think it was Spurgeon said, illustrations are like windows, they let the light in. So they, but have, there's one thing that's lacking. What is that? It's lacking life. And it's only the Holy Spirit that can give life to the presentation. So that it's the life, life that gives the presentation. And as you share the gospel, we're going we're gonna to practice role plays. We're going to actually do this. And, and then um, David and I are going to get up here and we're going to act out. How do, you, how do we do this with people? Okay. And what do we say? How does it, what does it look like in real life? But when you're really sharing it, we are, we, we, we're looking for what we call not just the monologue, where it's just you talking. And we're not looking just for a dialogue, you and the other person talking. We're looking for a trialogue. 
the Holy Spirit also talking, using the Word of God and using you as you're talking. So it's, we're, we're almost, when I'm sharing the gospel, I almost try to stay out of the way and let the Holy Spirit, I say as the least as possible, go to the main points and share the Word of God. And I try to let the Holy Spirit, I don't try to do a lot of talking to convince them. I mean, I am talking, but I'm asking questions and I'm praying. The person who's with me, I'm training one or two, they should be praying that the Holy Spirit would be producing conviction of sin and opening up their hearts like the God did with Lydia and others in the, in the New Testament, like the Samaritan woman and so many, um, you know, the eunuch and all these. So, so that's what we're looking for. We're, this is where we're heading. Okay. It's uh, pretty much nine o'clock. Does anybody have a question? I have a quick question. Um, here under faith, it starts with a couple of negatives what faith is not. Yes. I noticed when he did his presentation, he skipped that. Okay. He just went to yeah, what it was. Faith is trusting in Jesus. Yeah. So the pr- that's a good point. So what you have. The presentation, the hand, um, each, each point, look at the presentation again on page uh, 13. And you notice that each one has two points, right? It's got heaven, you have this free gift, it's not earned, deserved. So you have two points, you have two verses. Um, man, a sinner, cannot save himself. God is merciful, God is just. And then Christ, it talks about Christ, so who he is and what he did. So you know, so that's what you're keeping on. Who he is, he's God and man, and what he did. He died on the cross and rose again to pay the penalty for our sins and to purchase a place for us in heaven, which he offers us as a free gift. It doesn't say that, but that's where we'll be moving to, transition. And how do you receive that free gift? By faith. What is First of all, what isn't faith? It's not head knowledge and it's not temporary faith. What is true saving faith is trusting in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life. That's a good question because there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians. They don't have true trusting faith. They just have the head knowledge. They have a lot of it. Right. And right. they will try to... And on each one of these points, we have an illustration that really bring those points home. It's really good. You can start reading ahead if you want to your book. Go ahead, start reading your book. At the back of your book, you have the complete presentation, pretty much just where we're going, what it is, okay? I think you'll see page uh, 44, share your faith conversational explanation. There's introduction in it, basically shows you the whole thing, where we're going. So if you want to read that. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about, let's look at page 15 real quick. I have four minutes. I'm going to use these four minutes. Session three talks about our fears and what a witness is. It has a witnessing tip. And the witnessing tip says, never try to pick green fruit. God will lead you to people who are open. He is always drawing people to himself. Witnessing under the direction of the Holy Spirit is the act of seeing where God is working and then joining him in it. So this, this kind of takes out one of those problems that a lot of people are afraid to witness because they're afraid of getting into an argument. If a person's arguing with you, don't cast your pearls before swine. Jesus said, if you go into a house and... 
you give it your greeting, if they don't receive you, just shake the dust off your feet. You don't have to stay there. We're looking for the people who God has prepared. We're praying, God, lead me. Look at John 5.19. This is a very interesting um, concept that we see in the life of the Lord Jesus in verses 19 and 20. John 5, 19 and 20. And we see how Jesus himself joined God in what he was doing. He never did anything on, on his own accord or his alone. So he said, um, <clears throat> Therefore Jesus answered and was saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something that he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. So we see the Son doing what the Father, the Father's will. And this is something that revolutionized my day-to-day evangelism. I have come to realize that God is at work all around me. And I'm trying to join God in what he's doing. Jesus never said, I will build your church. And he never said, you will build my church. He said, I will build my church. You know, he, so it's not like we're asking God, I'm going to do, I come up with my plan for evangelism. Now, please bless me. Bless my plan. No. God, what is it you're doing and help me join you in what you're doing? Show me. Uh, we practice prayer walking. I'd like to encourage you. The main thing about prayer, uh, about evangelism is, just, is praying at first. Jesus spent time in prayer. And it's every time there was a church started, he was praying. There, someone was praying first. So uh, I encourage prayer walking, going out and just walking with somebody else and praying like conversationally. They pray a few phrases, you couple, just go back and forth, back and praying, God, guide me, lead me to people who you're working in. And you will start coming across people. All of a sudden, you will recognize it. You'll be in a coffee shop or wherever you're at. And all of a sudden, as you're praying and you're seeking and you're looking, all of a sudden, these opportunities will just open up right before you. And that is very, very cool. God has gone before you to do the work. Now you just be obedient and walk through the door. And that's what Paul asked the Colossians to pray for him. He said, pray that a door would be open for us for the word, that we might speak the mystery of Christ. He even asked that doors would be open for him and he would just walk through them. So, dear brothers and sisters, this isn't about going out and finding people and twisting their arms. This is going out and joining God in what he's doing and looking and being more sensitive. And as you go through your day, can, you're, you're God's co-worker and you're saying, God, lead me, show me, I, count me in. I, I want to be part of this. Show me where you're working, Lord, and you will start seeing miracles happen. I guarantee you. I, just since I've been in this, er, the, this area, just last night, my, my, she's not my sister-in-law, I don't know what she is, but my Bobby's sister-in-law, got saved last night. We saw God. We've been praying for her and seeing God do things in her. And people have said, oh, she's closed. She's far from God. Yeah, she is. She is. Uh, she is uh, been held by Satan, but we're praying for her. And God broke the chains last night. She was up all from 1130 like to 230 on her knees praying and asking, asking God to forgive her of her sins and asking Christ to come into her life and to change her and to reach her whole family through her. She's waiting for her husband to get saved. And guys, and I, we spoke to her yesterday. Heard, she heard Eric's message. It's just a long process. It's, it's a process. Salvation is a process. We just want to be a link in the chain 
And all you're trying to do is just move people up one more notch after they've had contact with you. Okay, you're not trying to make the goal. If people are a three or a four on that scale, you're just trying to make them, after they've met you, move one step closer. There's like, wow, there's something about that. I don't know what I just experienced. They just experience Christ in us. We want Christ. We don't, and you don't want to be religious. You want to be just normal. Be natural. And I'm just praying. And the other day, I, mean, I, I could go on and on and on and talk about how what God has done and things. And it's not me. It's just God. I've learned to join God in what He's doing. And this is what it makes it so exciting. David did that when he came back to the Galilee program this year. You were telling me about all yep. those. In one yep. home. Yep. Yep. That's <laughs> it. And then God put him right next to that little girl. I mean, he prayed, God, um, lead me. God did it. Hey, is God real? Is God, does God hear prayer? Does God want people saved? Did Paul ask for himself, open up a door for him? He said it to the Ephesians too. He's, this is real stuff. Take God seriously and he'll take you seriously, you know? And, and, and just start praying with, not with more faith. It just, God is waiting to hear those words from you. Lord, um, Show me what you want me to do. Start with cleaning up my life, maybe. You know, start there. But, you know, God doesn't expect us to be perfect before He starts using us. Okay? That's the new doctrine of messiology. God can still use you in the middle of the mess. You know, I mean, not that we're, I'm saying be, be uh, messed up Christians, but he, He's just wanting you to be seeking Him realistically, honestly forsaking sin when he shows it to you and gives moving on and not living in the past for your past failures and letting the accuser of the brethren tie your hands and, your, and shut your mouth. Just confess your sins and move on. There's nothing you can do about it and just keep going. If God had nothing more for you to do, he would just take you home tonight. But if you're still alive, because he's got a plan for you still. Okay? So God's a God of grace. It's not because of you're smarter than the next guy or you're more gifted. His work is by grace. If you knew my wife and I, we are not the most talented or smartest, sharpest tacks in the box. But we're just trying to do the Lord's will. That's all he asks us to do. Maybe that's why he uses us, because we're so ordinary. They, people think, oh, there's hope for me. God can use, this, can use these people. He can use me too, you know. Because if we came in here like that sharp-dressed guy there, you oh, I'll never be like that. But if you're just normal people like us, you can be used. So join God in what he's doing. And then it says uh, in cha- at the bottom of page 15, it said, uh, your job as a servant is to follow Jesus' example. Reference John 15. Do what the Father is already doing. Watch to see where God is at work and join him. Okay. So next week, we are going to start our time. We want to hear from you all. What did you see God do this week? What opened doors did you? We're not saying, how many people did you lead to Christ? No, I'm not asking. I'm not saying I want people. I mean, that'd be great. People come to Christ. But that's not the point. The the main thing is, I was at work and I was praying. And all of a sudden, like this happened to me the other day at uh, David Reeve and I were sitting in at um, Starbucks. And this guy came in and we, we weren't even really aware of him. We knew he was there. We were just talking back, and he started talking to asking us questions. He says, do you guys get comfort? I'm an atheist, he said, but do you guys get comfort from what you believe? He, he initiated that. Do you guys get comfort? 
He said, well, we do. And we share our story. We're going to learn how to share our story next week. How do you find these people that God is working in? God's way of finding these people is through your story. That's your unique story of how God, what God has done in your life. We'll talk about that next week. Okay, so we're going to have a time of, we call it way of life sharing. Every week you'll come and you'll just feel free. You're not under pressure, okay? Just pray though this week, God, uh, help me, help me to become a fisher of men and show me what you're doing. I want to join you. I want to, I want to see this. And this is like the most exciting life. I feel like I have a foot in heaven and a foot on the earth. I, I feel like I'm living in eternity already. I feel like I'm, it's like a, I'm, I'm really feel like I'm a co-laborer with Jesus, with God. You know what I'm talking, you know? There's nothing more exciting than this in life to feel that way. Now, often, and many of you are probably thinking, but it's, um, Grant, I kind of feel flat. I feel like a flat tire. And I don't feel that excited about what you're talking about. Well, I guess all I could tell you is just start spending, spending more time with the Lord, not legalistically, but seeking Him as your Father. He loves you. He cherishes you no matter what. He doesn't, it doesn't matter what you've done. He still loves you and cherishes you and nourishes you, it says. And um, seek Him. And if something in your life, just ask Him, you know, Lord, renew my love for you, but re- give me a love for the fish too. Give me a love for unbelievers. You love them. Love them through me. And uh, as you spend time in the Word, just so, you know, you know, and prayer. Just start going out and walking and praying. Start with, don't put minutes on it. Don't put yourself under rules and laws and minutes and this. No, just start spending time with God. You wake up in the middle of the night, rather than count sheep, pray. You know? <laughs> pray for the sheep, you know. Um, uh, just use minutes. Just go drive. God hears prayers that with your eyes are open too. You don't have to fold your hands, you know. Um, just so pray without ceasing. Do not grow weary and, and you will start seeing miracles and you'll, your life will become so exciting and you will experience the abundant life that Jesus promised. So why don't we pray? Brother, you want to pray for us as we finish? Oh, Jesus, I'm we, uh, sorry. We thank you for, uh, for uh, our public aunt and uh, the fire you've given him uh, for you and to see you using uh, us and uh, reaching the last Lord, we know you are real, and mm-hmm. uh, you have uh, a purpose for uh, for us, Lord, to uh, to be instruments of uh, glory, to uh, to reveal you to those who do not uh, know you, mm-hmm. and uh, we each of us want to be part of that. Lord, we each want to be a, a vessel that, that you could use. We each want to experience the. Uh, God-filled life of you uh, working through us to bring more people to yourself to know you and how much you love them. So we pray that you might do that for each one of us this week. We might uh, see you leading us and and, uh, working through us in the lives of others. We do pray for this uh, five-week course, Lord, that you might might be in it and might continue to use it to, uh, to encourage us and to uh, equip us to be able to be these instruments you, you want you want us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all be praying for each other, okay? This week that we would have these experiences. And I'm not just preparing you for a five-week course. I'm preparing you for a lifetime of fishing, okay? So.